Good morning, everybody. My name's Tim, and welcome to Greater Alton Church. We're glad you could be with us this morning. And uh, we're right now uh, closing a series we've been doing uh, all this year. We started the first of this year. Can you believe it? It's the 12th lesson of a 12-part series called Who Do You Say I Am? It's a question that Jesus asked his disciples in Matthew 16. And um, he simply asked, who do people say I am? And they all gave him different answers. And then he said, well, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And see, that's a very interesting question he's giving to his disciples, to his believers. Because, folks, it doesn't matter what you think Jesus was or what he will be. It matters right now. Who do you think he is in your life? All your decision making is based on that as a Christian, as a believer. And so we've been looking at all the different names of Jesus. There's over 300, and we're not going to cover all of them, obviously, but we've covered 12. And um, today I want to wrap it up by looking at this phrase, the bread of life. It's found in John chapter 6, and if you have a Bible and like to turn with me, I'd uh, love for you to read along with me. We're going to read uh, some passages here out of John chapter 6. You know, of all the d- disciples, um, the Gospels especially, John's the only one that records the statements that Jesus claims when he says the word I am. They're called the I am statements. And he talks about being I am the vine, I am the resurrection, I am the way, the truth, the life, I am the door, I am the shepherd. And um, in this passage, he talks about being the bread, the living bread from God. Now, if you look a little bit uh, before what we're reading, the context of John chapter 6 Jesus has just fed 5,000 people and walked on water. He's done some pretty amazing things. And then we're going to pick it up in in verses 25 and just going to read together uh, what we're going to cover today uh, in, in John 6. Verse 25, when they, in other words the crowd, found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you're looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On Him God the Father has placed His seal of approval. Then he asked them, or then they asked Him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, pay attention to this. Notice He says, here's a work we can do. The work of God is this, to believe in the One He has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Hmm. Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those that He has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, 
and I'll raise him up the last day. At this, the Jews begin to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, this, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I'll raise him up the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will, be all, they will all be taught by God. By the way, Jesus is fulfilling that passage or that prophecy about him at that very moment. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting, uh, has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the man in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he'll live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Understand, they, it isn't that it was difficult to understand. They understood it, folks. They didn't like it. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this. Man, I noticed a lot of people grumble in this passage. Have you noticed that? Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you're the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. Now, Jesus uses this term, the bread of life, over and over. I'm the living bread. I'm the bread of life. He refers to himself as an Old Testament reference. I'm that bread that came down from heaven like that manna. And he says that like 12, 15 times just in John 6 alone. What does he mean? What does Jesus mean when he says, I'm the bread of life? What is, he, what is he trying to say? Let me give you five things I believe, five statements he's trying to say to you and I when he says, I'm the bread of life. 
First, when he says on the bread of life, he is saying, I am God and I am from God. You know, every time a Jew would eat bread, he thought of God. Every time he broke the bread, every time he prepared it, he thought of God. Uh, there was the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, and they would do, they would do this to, to celebrate and observe the time when they left Egypt, and they would eat this bread, and they would do it, according to the Old Testament, to remind themselves that God is with them and God will provide. And so they, th- this, this idea of bread is very important to the Jew. A scrap of bread. If a Jew was walking down a path or a road and he saw a scrap of bread, he would never step on it. He would pick it up and put it in a tree for the birds. It was never to be wasted. Why? Why is the Jew... Are you superstitious? No. Don't you understand, Tim? Bread is sacred to the Jew. Bread represents God. It represents God's presence. Even in the, when the, the, uh, in the temple and the tabernacle... Well, the tabernacle was the mobile temple before it was built... They had this table, and on this table they would put bread. It was called showbread or show-up bread. And this bread represented God showing up and being present among His people. Here's in Exodus 25 on your notes. It says, on this table, put the bread that shows you are in my presence so that it is always there in front of me. And up here on the screen, look at Numbers 4 here. In Numbers, they, they're reminded, and, and again... These are the instructions. They must spread a blue cloth over the table for the bread that shows a person is in God's presence. They must put the plates and the pans and the bowls and the jars for drink offerings on the table. They must leave the bread that is always there on the table. Now they would have bread every day would be in the tabernacle or the temple. Imagine you walking by the tabernacle or walking around and you smell, it smells like Panera. You know, St. Louis Bread Company. Smells good. And, 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 and what do they think when they smell the bread? They go, oh, somebody's having, must be having a, a meal or something. No. You know what the Jew thought? God is here. Just that's, that aroma, the aroma of bread reminded them God is among us. God wants to be among us. He is present. He is with me. Every Sabbath, Every Sabbath, they would bake 12 loaves of bread. Usually it's one loaf of bread. Now it's 12 on the Sabbath day. And I think it's just kind of interesting to me. I don't know if there's a connection here or not. I think there may be. That when Jesus fed the 5,000, how many baskets of bread did he pick up? 12. And when he's saying, you guys aren't, you don't understand what the miraculous sign is all about. What was the miraculous sign? That he fed a bunch of people? I mean, it is a miracle sometimes. Some of us have big families, and we wonder how in the world did we feed them this week. It was a miracle. But he's talking about 5,000 men and perhaps children and women there as well. What was the miracle? The miracle was God was there with them. God was there in the flesh. And, you, and so you look at these... Um, Look, look at some of these passages here. There's one in John 6. Look what Jesus says. I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My Father did. And now He offers you the true bread from heaven. That They're saying, look, what we're eating together, but something else is happening as we're eating together, fellas. Well, what's going on, Jesus? What's going on is God is here. God is going to teach you. He's here in the flesh. He's from heaven. He's like that manna from heaven. And He offers you bread from heaven. 
true bread of God that is the one who comes down, he says, from heaven and gives life to the world. And look at verses 38 and 41 here on your notes. For I have come down, he says, from heaven to do the will of God. He says, look, the bread's coming down from heaven. I've come from heaven. Connect the dots here. I'm the bread. And I've come to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. In verse 41 it says, Then the people began to murmur in disagreement. They started having a problem. What was the problem with, with Jesus? It was his statement that he says, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They understood clearly what he meant. The Jew understood. When you say you're the bread of, of, from heaven, you're saying you're God. You're, are you telling us, well, you know, isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this Mary's kid? You're, are you claiming to be God and from God? Yes. They made that connection and didn't like it. So in verse 51 up here on the screen, and in verse 58, you see these, he says, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. I'm the true bread that came down from heaven. What is he saying? Like the manna that you Israelites remember every time you have the feast of unleavened bread. I am present. I have come down from heaven. By the way, did you know that Jesus' birthplace, Bethlehem, means house of bread? I think God's trying to get us to understand something. That when Jesus said He's the bread of life, this is God. This is not your everyday person. This is not somebody that's just another person mentioned in the Bible. This is not just a, a nice guy or a prophet. This is the Son of God, God in the flesh, and He has come with God's endorsement. Did you catch that part where it says He's got His seal of approval? Kind of like that we have on, the, on, on the loaves of bread sometimes in the bag, you know, the FDA, the seal of approval. He's got God's approval. He's the best bread. That's the first thing I want you to see. So we need to listen to Jesus, in other words. Because of that. Number two, he says, when he says, I'm the bread of life, he's saying, I'm available to everyone. You know, one of the things about the Jewish culture, regardless of your social status, regardless of, you know, where you were in the pecking order of things, uh, you could get bread. Everybody could get bread. Everybody had access to bread. And even if you couldn't find some bread, you could make bread. You were able to make it. It was easily accessible. Earlier in this chapter, in, in uh, John 6, he feeds 5,000 men. And as he's feeding those 5,000 men, you know, one of the things I notice is, I, I think to myself, he's feeding men probably different sizes, different shapes. You, you know, uh, uh, like the Oscar Mayer song, short kids, you know, skinny kids, you know. Uh, every kind of every kind of person was there, but not only were they physically different, they were also different in their social status, different with their backgrounds, different with their experiences. Would you would you uh, agree that they were even different with their values? Even their values would be different. Could you say their morals could have been different as well? And yet Jesus, the Bible says in verse 12 of chapter 6, that all of them ate till they were full. They all got, they were filled. God wants to fill. You see, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. He's available to you and I. I love that. Look at this. Look at this in, in verse 33. He says, the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. 
not just a certain group of people, not to this, to the people that are good enough or religious enough, but to the whole world. He offers, he offers bread, the bread of God. Look at verse 35. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Then he says, whoever, what's whoever mean? Anyone. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. He makes that promise. You make me the source. Make me your source. And I guarantee you, you'll never, never be hungry again. And notice he says in verse 50, anyone, anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I'll say it again. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what background you have. It doesn't matter if everybody else has given up on you doesn't give a rip about you. Your Lord, the bread from heaven, makes Himself available to you. doesn't matter what race you are. doesn't matter you know, if you've been abused or you've abused somebody. doesn't matter if you've been lied to or lied to someone. doesn't matter if you've been married, never been married or married so many times you forgot. It doesn't matter. That bread is available to you. Always there for you. All you have to do, if you, if you read that, and I would encourage you to go back and read John 6 and see what does Jesus say to do. You're going you're to notice words like, come to me, receive me, eat of me, believe me, trust me. See, all of us can do that. You know, one of the things we have in common, regardless of where we are in life, we all get hungry. And Jesus says, I can take care of that. We all get hungry physically. You know, I think afterwards, I, I've heard the Gill family were going to Golden Corral. That's what I've heard. Oh boy. Yeah. That's what I've heard. Now, rumors in the Gill family, you can't always believe, okay? But, but you know, we're, we're going to go there and we're going to, and a smorgasbord, I mean, we're going to, Hopefully we won't defile ourselves too much, Danny. I mean, but but that idea that that it's it's we can, we know where to go to get we all get hungry, but there's the hunger of the soul. There's the hunger inside us that no food can satisfy. That Jesus says, "Let me satisfy it like bread. Let me show you what I can do." Number three, when he says, "I am the bread of life," he also saying, "I want a relationship with you." I want a relationship with you. I read this off of a website. and see to figure out who this is about. We are a symbol. This is, the, this is I, I, I type, I uh, click company history. And this is what all they had under company history. We are a symbol of warmth and welcome. We are simple pleasure, honest and genuine. We are a life story told over dinner. We are a long lunch with an old friend. We are a weekly morning ritual. We are the kindest gesture of neighbors. We are home. We are family. We are friends. Take a wild guess who's that, huh? That's Panera. That's Panera. You know, I read this, I was researching, and this morning I had to go to Panera. I had to go. I had to go, and uh, and here's what I bought. It just looks good. 
Smells good. I'll set it over here on this dirty speaker. Here, you hold it for me. Hold it for me. I, need, I may need it back. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't eat it. I just couldn't help it. And I, and I walk up to the guy and I go, I, I like to have that loaf right there. And he goes, this one? And it was a Yuma. No, no, not that one. That one. Okay, that one. Okay. And is there anything else you want? No, that's all I want. And paid about a little over $3 for that loaf. And, and um, I'm going to enjoy that loaf. No. Um, but that's, that's what bread is. See, you may not know this, but Panera didn't, they're not, they're not the one that somebody's come up, hey, let's, I got a great idea. Let's use bread to represent friendship and relationships and meet people. No, what they tapped into was something that has always been around. The Jewish culture was like this. Man, when you got a piece of bread out, when you baked a loaf of bread and brought it to your home or you had somebody there, you were saying, you're being kind, of course. Hospitable? Yes. But you were saying, I want to be friends. I want to be friends. I want, I want to get to know you. You know, the early church, we read the book of Acts. It says they broke bread in their homes. In their homes, they broke bread. In Acts 20, when Paul preached till midnight, it's a very encouraging sermon for, for preachers. When he preached till midnight, it says they broke bread. They fed the man before he got up and spoke. I bet if they hadn't given him bread, he'd have, he'd have lost his energy about, you know, 8 o'clock. But they fed the man. Big mistake. But they broke bread. Why would they do that? They're together. They're together as a church. And they're breaking bread. I love, I love our potlucks and our banquets and stuff. Because when you're eating and stuffing your face, we're all, we're all the same. Juice running down. Stains on our clothes. We're all slobs. Okay? We all have that in common. And we're talking and spitting on one another bits of food without realizing it. It's just, you're saying, I'm never coming back. Well, that's what we do, though. It just breaks the walls down. And see, in the Jewish culture, they did that with a loaf of bread. Um, the Apostle Paul one time in, in the book of Acts, in Acts 27, he was, um, the ship, this, if you read about his shipwreck, you know, the, these guys were having lots of, bad stuff was happening on this voyage, all right? And just when things are really getting bad, they're about to eat their last bit of food. Paul says, let's get together and let's eat, let's have one good meal together. And it says in Acts, in Acts 27, he stood up and he held up a loaf of bread and broke it to the crew. Now what's he doing? By doing that gesture. You know what he's saying? We're all in this together. We're all in the same boat. We're all going to get through this. He even tells them, nobody's going to die. We're all going to get through this together. And he's also kind of implying and trying to encourage, you know, just like the bread encourages that we're all going to be together. We're all going to be all right. You know that God wants to have a relationship with you too? That yes, we have something in common, but God wants to have something in common with us too? And His presence is here. That's why we can be safe. That's why everything's going to be okay. Panera, you don't know half of what bread's about. Jesus knows. Uh, let me show you a passage here for all you single men out there. Um, this is a very interesting passage because this is, this is how Boaz meets Ruth. 
You say, what are you talking? You showing me how to pick up a woman? Well, here, guys, this, this, this worked for Boaz. Okay? And see, you know, you know about Ruth. She comes home from Naomi. She's a Moabite woman. And, and you know, they, she's lost her husband. Her mother-in-law's lost her husband. They've come back to Israel. And they're welcomed with open arms. And uh, Naomi, uh, Ruth's mother-in-law, says, listen, uh, go over to this field and start gleaning. And she starts picking up some of the grain. And Boaz notices her and says, hey, leave her a little bit more grain than usual. And then at the end of the day, he says, uh, at mealtime, he says to her, come over here and have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. Now, there's some other workers there. It's like they're going after work, they're going somewhere to eat, they're gathered together, but they're having some bread together. But Boaz is not just having a meal with co-workers. He's a little interested in her. And he knows this could break the ice. This gesture of just having some bread together. They do get married. Look, look at this passage here about David. David here in Psalms, he says, this is up on the screen again, He's, ta- he's making a point. And look here. Even my close friend, someone I trusted, has failed me. Well, how do you know he's so close to you, David? He kind of tags at the end of there. I even shared my bread with him. Oh, that, conv- that the Jew goes, oh, he was very close if you shared bread because you shared bread in that culture for relationship. So when Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, he's saying, I want to get close to you. I want to have a relationship with you. I like that. I like that. Look what he says here in John 6, and your notes are up on the screen. For I have come down from heaven. He's saying, I'm that manna. I'm that bread that come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God. What's the will of God? What are you here to do, Jesus, that I should not lose even one of those he has given me? Relationship. I'm here to connect with the people that God wants to connect with. I'm here to have a relationship like bread. And by me being broken, I create a relationship with those that want to follow. In fact, he says, uh, not only does he, he's, he's giving them life here, he says that they'll raise them up on the last day. What's he talking about? Giving them life. Giving them life. And doesn't bread give us life? When you're hungry and you're tired... And you, you know, you're running out of gas, get a little bread and you feel better. It gives you energy. Well, Jesus is not talking about physical energy here. He's talking about eternal energy here. Look at verse 40. For it is my Father's will that all who see His Son and believe in Him should have eternal life. Eternal energy. Life forever. This word life, John uses 22 different ways or 20 different times in the book of John, he says, uh, what he says about life is, it's the Greek word, John was written originally in Greek, Koine Greek, zoe, and it means physical and spiritual life. It can mean physical life, but it also can mean spiritual life. And that's what he's talking about, eternal life. Look what he says in verse 56. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Does that sound like relationship? We're so close. It's hard to tell us apart. I'm inside you. You're inside me. 
I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. That's a close relationship. So when he says, I'm the bread of life, he's saying, I want a relationship with you. Number four, number four. When, he, when Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, he's also saying, I'm able to satisfy your deepest hunger. This is the one I want to talk a little bit about, too. That's, uh, wow, what a, what a thought. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Now, I can go to Panera and I can buy a loaf of bread and I can eat that, but I'll be hungry again. Right? So Jesus is not saying, you eat me once and it's over. What he's trying to say is, when you feast on me, you're going to go nowhere else to get satisfied. When I'm your main source of of spiritual nourishment, nothing else will satisfy you. And whenever you feel a little hunger, you just come to me because I'll feed you all the time. He gets spiritual here with this statement. People complain. They're saying, you know, Jesus, show us a sign. Give us some kind of miracle. Let's see, what could we have you do? Well, he can walk on water. He can raise the dead. He can heal the sick. He, let's see, what would we have him do? Uriurk. Uriurk. What are you talking about, Tim? You ever had the Uriurks? That's your stomach growling. Uriurk. Uriurk. And so they're sitting there going, we know a miracle you could do. Moses gave us bread from heaven. And, you know, fed two million people for 40 years. How about you do this again? Because we're hungry. And they're looking at Jesus with a growling stomach. But Jesus looks at them and doesn't just hear a growling stomach. He hears a growling soul. He hears a need inside them that is growling and crying out. Feed me. I know you want me to say Seymour. Feed me. Do you know the difference between your stomach and your spirit growling? Do you know the difference? I sometimes get confused. You know, Denise will say, You're grumpy, you're tired. Here, you need to get something to eat. And sometimes she's right. Sometimes it just gives me more energy to be grumpy. Because it's not a sandwich I need. It's not a, a, I need something spiritual. Every once in a while she'll say, you've been grumpy. Have you been in your Bible today? No. Go get in your Bible. Yes, my love. Now go do what she says. And it makes a big difference. Why? I didn't have a banana. I didn't have an apple. didn't have anything. I had the Word of God. Didn't Jesus say man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word? The Word of God? And so what's He talking about here? He's talking about inside us there's this hunger that no sandwich can take care of. It's a hunger for meaning and purpose and contentment. For peace. For confidence. For joy. You know, when I start, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times when I start having this, this hunger, I can't figure out, I try to stuff it with something on earth. Oh, if I had a new car, if I had a house, if I had a wife, if I had some kids, right now i got two grandbabies. Love them, love them, love them. 
I'm talking to Denise on the phone this week, and Nora's going, and Denise is going, what I'd like you to do, what I'd like you to do, I think I can see Denise just go, and watch her go, I didn't say anything, you know. And she, and I know she's thinking, and that's, it's, you know, any other time, if it was Nathan or Matthew doing that when they were babies, I'd say, man, call me back later. But these are my grandbabies now. And I, you, you know why you, they're special? You get to love them and then give them back. It's nice. And I haven't heard crying like that in so long. It was just nice. But I can tell you, they don't satisfy my deepest hunger. Another kid, more money, more popularity. If I could have that, you know, we do that. We try to shove it in this hole, this, this, this mouth in our deep inside us, this spiritual mouth, and we try to feed it, and it's like more, 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 like Homer Simpson with donuts, more, more, more. Well, this isn't working. Why isn't this working? I went through this marriage, this marriage, this. I've gone through this job, this job, this job. This church, that church, this church. You ever know anybody like that? They like to hop around. Not just churches, everything. They go from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. Hobby to hobby, thing to thing. What are they doing? They're trying to feed this inner hunger and they're using earthly things to do it. And it doesn't work. They are miserable And most of all, they're still hungry. That's what's going on here. See, Jesus says, I'm the kind of bread that will satisfy your deepest hunger. Your deepest hunger. Let me shift gears just a little bit. Have you ever ate at a restaurant, ate ate so much bread that you couldn't eat the main course? Texas Roadhouse? I've been with Danny. I've been with some of you. We go to Texas Roadhouse, you know, and they bring that loaf in. And it's like still warm. And they give you that big knife like from Crocodile Dundee. You know, that's a knife. And you're like slicing it. And it's so, so tender, so warm that just the weight of the knife crushes it. So you're trying to not do that. And, and the butter is perfect. And you're just eating that. And, and, and you know, and that, why are they giving you this bread? Because it's going to be a while before you get the steak you know, or the pork chop or whatever. And then here they come, and they finally go, here you go. And what does somebody say? I'm going to need a box. Why? I filled up on bread. I missed, I'm filled up on so much bread, I missed the main course. That's what's going on here. He feeds 5,000 people, and they want another meal. They don't even, they miss it. They miss it. They miss what's going on right in front of them. The bread of life. And they want more bread, bread. Physical bread. Look what he says here in John 6. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be, you want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understood the miraculous signs. He says, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. Now, I'm going to talk about something here I think is a little touchy. Let's just get right into it. These people are wanting their felt needs met. 
and not their greatest need met. That's what I'm noticing here. Now, is Jesus interested in meeting felt needs? Well, He fed them. Yes, He is, of course. And I know we all have here some major felt needs. Uh, uh, guys, we could sit here and run a mic around here, and the felt needs in this room is overwhelming. The list would just keep going. I need help with money. I need help, I need help with my desires. Uh, I need help in my marriage. My felt, my felt need is an emotional thing. You know, my, my, felt, my felt need is I've got a stronghold in my life and it's just kicking my butt all the time and, and, and controlling my body and my decisions. And I'm just so tired of it. I'm tired of the addiction. I'm tired of the... Uh, I've been abused and the pain, I just can't get, I can't get processed past it. I need some help to get some peace in my life. And listen, Jesus Christ wants to bring peace in your life. He wants to meet those felt needs. I, I believe that. But you do know you have a greater need than that. It's much deeper. It's much deeper. It's your need for God. For God Himself. Because I, I've, I'm, what I'm learning as I've gotten older, you know, I, I've, I've been one of those kinds of people. Maybe you know somebody like this. I'm willing to follow you, Jesus, as long as everything is good. Make sure I got good friends. I need some help. You know, I need some friendships. I need some connection and some encouragement, some friendships. I need that warm, fuzzy blanket. I need that feeling. I need to know I'm loved. And, but as I've grown older as a Christian, I've learned that Jesus is not as interested in meeting my felt needs as much as my greatest need. That eternal need. Again, I don't, I'm not downplaying felt needs here. We preach a lot about felt needs here. You know what this, why this series is standing out? It's not so much about felt needs. And guys, I've learned that when I, let, when I, when I go to Jesus and, and get my deepest needs met, the felt needs kind of take care of themselves. You'll find that's true for you too. You know, I, like I say, you probably know people that they, they follow Jesus as long as it's good. But when commitment begins to start to be preached or it gets a little difficult, you know, uh, the honeymoon is over. What do you mean, Tim? Well, I know, um, you know, Mike and Melissa stood right here and they're on their honeymoon now. And I leaned over to him before I left. I said, have a great time. He goes, I intend to. And Melissa's like, me too. You know, so I'm like... And I, you know, they're going on their honeymoon and, you know, they're dancing. If you did pictures, Mark has got a picture he took with his camera that's as good as any professional. And, you know, they got their heads together and they're, and Michael's giving her a little kiss on the ear and he's in heaven. Honeymoon. You ever met those couples? They're on their honeymoon. They stand out. If you see a couple that's been on a honeymoon for longer than 10 years, you don't like those people. There's something wrong with those people, we'll say. Because we know reality. There's the honeymoon stage. Then there's the conflict stage. And um, that whole idea of that honeymoon is so sweet. Nothing goes wrong. Oh, look, you broke something. No problem. Oh, look, 
you squeeze the toothpaste differently. That's so cute. Oh, look, you snack when you're eating your food and I can, you're into seafood because I can see every mouthful. I get it. Oh, so cute. So nice. And then a few years later, will you stop snacking? I want my own tube of toothpaste. You snore. You do too. You know, the select comfort, I have an idea for them. You know, get it comfortable and then have this pillow that goes over the hole. That's my setting. <laughs> no more snoring. You know, there's honeymoon stages in churches. There's honeymoon stages in churches. We start going to church. Everybody's so nice, so kind. I hear people, I hear guests say that. Oh, everybody's so nice and kind to me and so so sweet. I just love this. Yeah? What's going to happen when somebody says, could we talk to you about something? What's going to happen when, they, when somebody gets in your grill a little bit and says, hey, you need to change that? You know what happens? I'm going somewhere else. And the honeymoon starts all over. Jesus is trying to deal with the honeymoon, the honeymoon Christian. He says, listen, you're only here because I fed you, and you just want one more meal. You want another free lunch. You missed what the miracle was about. And what's it about? I am God. And I am with you, and everything's going to be okay if you'll believe me and trust me. Look at this passage here in John 6. For it is my Father's will that all who see the Son and believe in Him should have eternal life. Jesus says, look, I want to help you on earth, but I'm really, really juiced up about taking care of you after you die. You know you're going to live longer after you die? Huh? Eternity is a little longer than what your time you spend here on earth, folks. And Jesus says, my bread takes and covers that. Look at Isaiah 55. is kind of haunting when you read this. Great question we should all ask ourselves. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? And, and, for, and your wages for what does not satisfy? And this is God speaking. He says, listen to me. Listen to me and eat what is good. And let your soul delight itself in abundance. Your greatest, deepest hunger... My greatest, deepest hunger, folks, is my need and your need for God. And Jesus says, I can take care of that. Instead of shoving something else in there to try to satisfy, feast on the bread from heaven. And here's the last thought. And that is that um, when, I, when Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, He's saying, I'm the most important part of your life. In ancient times... Bread was the main course. Today, it's a side dish. But in ancient times, bread was the main deal. It was the main course. When Abraham met a fellow named Melchizedek, he would say, quick, bake some bread. Get the bread ready. That was his first focus. When Jacob and Esau, or when Jacob takes Esau's birthright, Esau's famished, Jacob says, look, here's some bread and here's some soup. Bread was the first thing he gives him. And here's some soup. He trades his birthright for bread. It's so important. When God is taking the people out of Israel out of Egypt, 
He initially gives them manna, bread from heaven. He feeds what some people believe 2 million people for 40 years every day with manna. Now, I know some of you are saying, yeah, but didn't they complain about the manna? Yes, they did. Jesus, he's talking about bread and they're grumbling. It's in our blood. Why are we like that? We're just grumpy, grumpy people when it comes to God sometimes. You're not doing it the way I want. Well, you be God and you can call the shots. But he says, it says here in Exodus 16 on the screen, look what it says here. The Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And he does. Forty years. Every day for forty years. In fact, in this same chapter, when you bump down to verses 31 and 33, look what, what uh, Moses tells the people. God tells Moses to do these things. And so Moses relays this, this uh, command on. He says, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come. Why? He's saying, I want you to take a sample of this manna and I want you to save it. Why? So they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. What's the what's going on here? Why is why is God want them to say He gave them quail? Why not a couple of quail? Why not some water? He gave them water too. No, He says no. I want the bread, Moses. Well, why the bread? Because I want them to see this bread. Because it says I am with you and I'll always take care of you. I am with you. Always take care of you. What a simple lesson we can learn from bread this morning, huh? That's what Jesus is saying to you and I this morning. I'm the bread of your life. And when I'm the bread of your life, I'm with you and I'll take care of you. You've got nothing to worry about. This lesson's good for me. Because I'm a worrywart too. So Jesus is saying, listen, this bread, my loaf, me, I'm the most important chunk of bread, important loaf, whatever you want to call it, of any that you've ever seen. Because I give life, eternal life, and I sustain eternal life for you. But I want you to know, this particular bread, like any loaf, has to be broken before it can benefit anybody. Look what he says here in John 6. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I will offer so the world may live, is my flesh. What's he saying? My body is this bread. And I'm going to give it up. I'm going to offer it to you. Paul would relay a story he heard and put it in 1 Corinthians 11 and say it this way. For I have received from the Lord that which I also deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which has been broken. Let me have that loaf. Which has been broken. Give me that loaf. Which has been broken. Hurry up, give me that loaf. Thank you. Which has been broken for you. I know that the loaf of bread didn't look like this in the Lord's Supper. But Panera didn't have any unleavened bread, so I went with this, okay? And he's saying, what's he saying? It's been broken. He says, this has been broken for you. This loaf, this loaf doesn't benefit you or I if it stays a loaf. 
If Jesus stayed the same, we'd never benefit. But it's when the bread is violently torn, broken, eaten. Hey, Neil, have some bread. Dan, you want some bread? That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Stephen, I know you want bread. Have a chunk of bread. There you go. Have a chunk of bread. I wish I could be Oprah and say, You got one, you got one. You. I can't do it. Oh, the bread. Yeah, just a little bit of bread. Tastes good. This bread don't look like it used to. It was such a pretty loaf of Panera's. Now it's been violently ripped up and violated, and but that's the only way it can be shared. Aren't you so thankful? I'm so thankful that Jesus said, "I'm going to be broken and offered for you." What a bread! What a this is good, by the way. Bread of life. I simply want to ask you this morning. Is Jesus your bread of life? Is He your bread of life? Or would He say, if you asked Him, Lord, are you my bread of life? He'd say, well, no, it's your motorcycle. It's your kids. It's your family. It's your money. Tim, if you lost all your money, you'd fall like a house of cards. Tim, if you lost your, your kids, your wife, you'd fall like a house of cards. It would devastate me. Yeah, but... If I was your bread, you could get through that. Is He your bread? Is He the source of life? And are you looking at the bread? Coming to the bread? Eating the bread? I think it get down deep in you. And let, life, let His life come out with its energy by changing you. That's what I want you to ask you this morning. Because unless he's broken, unless you're broken, it's impossible. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for this morning. (laughs) What an interesting thought. You are the bread of life. And some of us here, we really need you. We've been jamming things and trying to satisfy a hunger that's just impossible. Impossible to satisfy on this earth. So Father, I pray I pray this morning that You'll be our bread. You'll be our source of life. And satisfy us. Satisfy our deepest, deepest hunger. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.